In the name of Jesus, amen. Jesus says, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Dear saints, the longer you are a Christian, the more you're tempted to fall into a false humility. The longer you live a life of repentance, the more you're tempted to fake that repentance. The more you hear God's word, the more your sinful flesh tempts you to not take it seriously anymore. In your life as a Christian, your flesh tempts you to give the appearance of humility without actually being humble. Kind of like what the sinful world does. So here's an analogy to get my point across. Take, for example, a professional basketball player who clearly leads his team to a win. He leads in every statistical category and gets the game-winning shot. And then after the game, the reporters run up to him with a microphone in his face and say, Look, that was amazing. You carried this team. Best performance I've ever seen. You're the best player on the planet. And then the basketball player says, oh, please, please. It was a team effort. I was just doing my job. Everyone else was doing their job. I really don't deserve all of the accolades and the recognition. But of course, if the team responded by saying, okay, well, if anyone could have done it, then we're going to cut your salary by several million dollars. Uh, He's going to say, whoa, hold on. I I didn't quite mean that. I actually am the best player on the team. I'm just saying what I'm supposed to say. So here's another example. If a wife gives her husband a nice gift for his birthday and and the man says, oh, honey, you shouldn't have. I don't deserve you. And then she says, okay, uh, in that case, give me back the present and I'm taking half of everything. I'm taking the kids and we're leaving. He's going to say, look, I didn't mean that. I I do deserve you. It's just that that's the nice thing you're supposed to say. That's just our etiquette, what we do. And this, dear saints, is oftentimes how we behave as Christians. How we approach the word of God. We think, sure, absolutely, we're saved entirely by the blood of Jesus. We can't possibly make ourselves worthy of salvation. But if God is going to actually have the audacity to say, no, seriously, you are not worthy of salvation and you deserve nothing but condemnation and eternal damnation from me suddenly we become very uncomfortable. We pretend that we're taking his word seriously, but then when his word is said seriously to us, we recoil and we back off and say, I didn't quite mean those words in that way. So think about it. How many times have you heard the words of today's gospel lesson? Well, uh, today is the fifth year of my ordination, so as long as I've been here, I know that at least... If you've been here as long as I have been, you've at least heard it five times. And if you've been a Lutheran for longer than five years, then you've heard it, I'm sure, many more times. How many times have you heard what God demands and how much he hates our sin? How many times have you heard of God's terrifying wrath and anger against all who are unrighteous? I'm willing to bet that if you've been in any church worth its salt, if you had a pastor who actually reads the Bible and preaches it faithfully, you've, you've heard this quite a lot. And I'm willing to bet that if you sing actual Lutheran hymns like we have been singing as already in this service, you've heard the word God's wrath a number of times, which we indeed sang about. 
And how seriously do you take those words? How much do you really believe those words? Do you honestly believe that God's wrath and anger are real things? Things to be afraid of? Does the thought of his judgment terrify you? I'm willing to bet that the answer is not so much. And why is this? Why is it that when we hear the demands of God's law and the severity of his wrath, and then just move on with our day without giving it a second thought, what's going on? Well, the reason we don't take God's commands seriously is because we don't believe God takes his own demands seriously. And this is the same problem when it comes to us confessing our sin and reconciling with one another. We know we have a false humility when we will say that we are sinners till we're blue in the face, but we can't really admit it when it matters. So yeah, we don't mind saying we're poor, miserable sinners at the beginning of the service. We don't mind saying that we deserve nothing but God's temporal and eternal punishment, which you all did, in fact, say. We don't mind saying these things about ourselves. But the second our neighbor confronts us and says, hey, what you said the other day hurt me, or what you did to me was wrong, you sinned against me, suddenly we become defensive and we can't admit that we're even capable of such a thing. The same goes for church members and their pastors. Congregations don't really mind if the pastor preaches God's law in its full sternness and severity from the pulpit. Everyone's okay with it. And some congregations don't really care if we sing about sin and the wrath of God in those hymns. But the second the pastor confronts us, calls us by name, rebukes our sin and says, You, yes, specifically you, are living against God's words. You need to stop gossiping. You need to stop living together before marriage. You need to admit the sin that you have done. You need to go and confront the person you sinned against. We say, what in the world? Who are you to judge? You can't say these things. Who are you, going, uh, who are you to say that I'm sinning? Why don't you just let it go? What's your problem? Once again, we find it unthinkable that we could have ever done anything wrong to anyone else at any time. So we become defensive and we dismiss our neighbor or a pastor or any person who even has the audacity to say that we've sinned and we haven't lived up to God's word. And when we do this, what does this attitude show? It shows that we don't mind calling ourselves sinners because that's simply the thing we have to do. It's the polite thing to say. It's the right Christian etiquette. You say you sin, God says he forgives you, and then we all move on with our day and like nothing happened. We're simply going through the motions. We don't mind saying that we're miserable because we know we don't actually mean what those words say about us. But the second we're presented with even a shred of our sin or our guilt, we recoil and we would retract whatever we said about being sinful and about sinning in ways that we have not even imagined or can't even remember. It's a fake repentance. It's a false humility. It's the type of life that serves God with the lips while your heart is far from him. And this is what Jesus condemns in today's gospel lesson. 
The law of God doesn't simply call for the outward obedience of the law, some sort of etiquette that we're supposed to just act and behave by. It demands perfection of the heart. In the same way, Repentance isn't simply about going through the motions and saying the magic words. It's about faith. Do you believe what you say? Do you believe what you confess? Are you speaking out of the abundance of your heart? It's about truly believing what God says of you and giving your sure and certain amen to it without shrinking back. It's about saying you are indeed a poor, miserable sinner and actually believing it to be true and not being shocked or offended when someone else points out your sin. In fact, when someone points out your sin, you should probably say, yep, I, I do that. Yeah, I fall into sin. Thank you for pointing that out. It's not beyond me to sin. I am a sinner. In fact, those who know their sin don't and won't get defensive or get upset. Jesus says that we should do uh, what we should do when we believe the severity of our sin. Listen to these words from your dear Lord. He says, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser. In other words, God won't accept your gift at the altar no matter how much it is or what it is unless you first go and reconcile with your brother. He doesn't want the outward action He wants faith in the heart and love for your neighbor. Those who don't really believe the magnitude of their sin won't go and reconcile with their brother. Those who do will do it. You see, it does no good to say that you're a sinner each and every Sunday if you don't actually believe it. Just as it does you no good to say you're not a murderer, while you murder your brother in your heart through anger and hatred and holding grudges against him day in and day out. It does no good to say that you're keeping the sixth commandment if you simply commit adultery in your heart and pump lust through your veins. It does no good to look like a Christian and sing God praises if you don't really believe it. God doesn't care if your body is here each and every Sunday. He cares if your heart truly is. He doesn't care how many times you simply say that you're a sinner. He cares if you actually know it to be true. Jesus wants you to really believe that you are a sinner. He wants you to really believe that you cannot keep his word in thought, word, deed, or even your affections and desires. He wants you to not just say that you can't save yourself, but to really, truly believe and genuinely believe that you cannot do a thing to save yourself from your guilt and your sin. And so this is why he points out to you today the gravity of sin, the seriousness of God's law the severity of his wrath against it. Today, Christ has come to convince you that you are indeed a poor, miserable sinner. 
so that he can convince you that he is your savior. Your savior from sin, from guilt, from death, and from the devil. Christ wants you to take his word of sin and wrath seriously so that you would take his word of forgiveness and salvation and hope and joy and eternal life just as seriously. He wants you to truly admit that you deserve temporal and eternal death so that you can be convinced and believe his word when he says that what he endured on the cross was to bless you with salvation forever. As honest and true and sure as his word is of condemnation, that's how honest and true and sure his word of forgiveness is for you. So when Jesus says he forgives you, he doesn't mean it like the world does. His word is actually telling you what is going on in his heart. It's not like God says, okay, I forgive you all of your sins. Meanwhile, in his heart, he's still angry with you and and remembers everything that you did so that he could throw it back in your face one day. God can't lie. He can't deceive you. So when he says he forgives you through the innocent, bitter suffering and death of your beloved uh, Lord Jesus Christ, it means that he really and truly forgives you. He does not remember your sin. When he says that he has separated your sin as far as from the east is from the west, it means that God no longer has anything against you, that your sins are erased from his memory forever through the death of Christ. When you put your faith in his son in the wounds that he bore for you, as long as you belong to Christ, your sin doesn't belong to you. He forgives it. And this is what Jesus came to do. He came to fulfill the law of God perfectly outwardly and inwardly, in body and in spirit. Not to just go through the motions, but to truly do this from his heart, from the most profound depths of his soul. And not a stain or blemish was on him. And because of his perfect obedience to the law of God, he saves you from the punishment for your disobedience to that law. Dear saints, Jesus gives you his righteousness. In your baptism, you were clothed with a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. He gives you a righteousness that not only looks and appears good, but a righteousness that is truly and genuinely good, the righteousness of God himself. And he gives you this righteousness to those, and he gives this righteousness to those who confess that they have no righteousness of their own, to those who admit that they are full of sin. You need this righteousness as much as he says you need it. And thanks be to God, he gives you every ounce of that righteousness you need so much. So here we are again at the end of the sermon. And here we are having heard the law and the gospel of God's word. Here you are pulled out of the false repentance that you came in with. But a few Sundays will pass and you're going to be tempted to fall asleep and fall into the same mentality again. You're going to be tempted to go through the motions. You're going to get tired. You're going to mindlessly repeat these words without believing the severity of your sin or the immensity of his forgiveness. You're going to take it for granted. You're going to be complacent. And when you're tempted to fall into this false repentance and this fake outward humility, remember how serious a sin it is. Remember how dreadful it is, even if you can't feel how dreadful it is. Remember how terrible and awful it is to take the words of Christ lightly. 
how hypocritical it is to call yourself sinful without truly believing it. And when you remember that, remember your baptism and wake up. Open your ears and hear the word of Christ that forgives your inattentiveness, your insincerity, and your apathy, and pay attention to his word. Pay attention to the word he gives you. Remember that God's word about your sin is real. Remember that his word about your forgiveness is just as real. You're truly a sinner incapable of saving yourself. And Christ is truly your savior who's come to give you eternal life. Amen. Hear the words of the hymn we sang. It was a false misleading dream that God his law had given that sinners could themselves redeem and by their works gain heaven. The law is but a mirror bright to bring the inbred sin to light that lurks within our nature. From sin our flesh could not abstain, sin held its sway unceasing. The task was useless and in vain, our guilt was ever increasing. None can remove sin, poison, dart, or purify our guileful heart. So deep is our corruption. Yet as the law must be fulfilled or we must die despairing, Christ came and has God's anger stilled, our human nature sharing. He has for us the law obeyed and thus the Father's vengeance stayed, which over us impended. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.